gift-giving ideas. And a portion of Matthew chapter 2 and verse 11, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And we're coming to that time in December where people are traditionally beginning to look at what gifts they are going to get for loved ones. And if you haven't been good, maybe Santa is looking at bringing you a gift of a lump of coal. But you know what? If you're really cold, that'd be a blessing, right? There was, a, there was a, one, of the best, one of the best Christmas cards I'd ever seen that this snowman, he looked into this, he opened a gift, right? And there were two lumps of coal. And then he was like, and he, you open it and he puts them in there. And he goes, I can see, I can see. And he uses them for eyeballs. So what, what I'm going to get for my wife, if she wants to plug her ears, I'm going to get her a refrigerator. See, I can't wait to see her face light up when she opens it. That's bad, right? If you didn't get that, go open a fridge door and then you'll see, right? So this snowman, he was buying some, uh, <laughs> why was the snowman, he was just buying some carrots, well, why was he being scolded in the grocery store? Because he was picking his nose. <laughs> That's really bad. Well, a lot of times people kind of let it go and maybe you're looking to let it go. But there was a snowman that decided that he was going to work out. He worked out so much that he had a six-pack for Christmas, right? So what do you call him? The abdominal snowman. <laughs> okay, I got one more, right? Well, say, you, don't, you don't like jokes? People ought not to joke in church. Amen. <laughs> Leave it to me. How does Darth Vader enjoy his Christmas turkey? A little on the dark side. <laughs> To preach that's really bad. I know. I know. Amen. So we, we want to look, we want to preach for a little while on gift-giving ideas. And maybe a few weeks ago, God laid this on my heart. And, and I was thinking of preaching two other things today. Now, if you don't know something about being a minister, let me tell you, Sunday morning is the worst time of the week. Why? Because there is a tension inside of you like a taut rope. And I like watching these fail videos. I love them. And you say, well, you're laughing at others' expense. We all do, right? You're like, aw, <laughs> right? And this guy was using these tubes, you know, to exercise with, and he was videoing himself, and he's like, Hurr! and they snapped. And then he was going, ah, right? But we find that in, in before a preaching that God is beginning to kind of stretch you and move you, and it's uncomfortable. And God's beginning to deal with your heart and kind of, have you ever had one of those cars that you pull it back and then let it go? And the farther that you pull it back, the more power, that's what I feel like on every Sunday morning. I don't, I don't, I don't wake up just going, praise the Lord, hallelujah. Now it's Monday, right? And no pressure, everything's easy. I love Mondays. Mondays are like my, like easiest day of the week, amen? And, uh, but, but Sundays, 
I don't know what God wants me to preach. I want to be sure of it. So there's a tension there. There's a seriousness about it. So after I get done preaching, I'm like, good. Someone could whack me up the backside of the head and I'll be like, okay. Why? Because God done what God wanted me to do. And God laid this on my heart this morning. And there was a lot of stuff running through my mind. And some of it was crazy. But it'll make sense when I present the message. So in our Bible, in our Bible text, we read about these men. They were called the wise men. And in the, uh, in the New Testament, they're called the Magi. And we don't know their number, their nationality, or their native country. We know that they came from the East. And one theory was that they were Jews that were taken to Babylon. And there were three exiles of Jews being taken to Babylon years before that. And some of them just kind of set up shop. You ever have friends that moved to a foreign country? And just stayed there, right? So they might have been uh, exiled Jews. They might have been a priestly caste or some type of astronomers. We don't know. And there were three gifts. So tradition says that there were three wise men. But the Bible doesn't say about their number. One thing that the Bible does say is that when Jesus was born in Bethlehem in the time of Herod the king, there came wise men from the east, from uh, Iraq or or, uh, that time called Babylon. And so they came from the east to Jerusalem. And the Bible said that they came to the king and they said, where is he? They asked this of Herod that is born king of the Jews because we've had a GPS you know they had GPS long time you ever remember those Tom Tom GPS's there was Tom Tom what did we have Garmin Garmin, right and Tom Tom I think we had a Garmin and uh, you'd stick it up on your dash with the little sticky and sometimes it would fall off or on your windshield when you turned right when you needed it right Sometimes it would go off, it would quit charging, and you'd be like, I don't know where my next turn is, right? So you'd miss your turn, and I remember it would say, please make a legal U-turn, right? It didn't say just turn here, Jed, but it's like, make a legal U-turn. And what was it trying to do? It was getting you to where you were going. You know, I'm thankful that a GPS, God is like a GPS. You know what? God knows where we are. God knows where we want to go, and God can get us from point A to point B. And the Bible said they saw this star, and it wasn't just making a circular pattern in the heavens. It was continuing across, and they began, I don't know if it shone on the ground, or they just just followed the, the movement in the heavens, but they began to follow it from the east, wherever they started, all the way in to Israel. And the Bible said they went to, where would you go? Washington, D.C. So they went to Jerusalem. They went to the capital. And they asked the king, said, uh, hey, where's the king of the Jews? Now, they knew that the king of the Jews was God because they didn't have an earthly king. Their real king was God himself. And so Herod got a little bit jealous, right? And the Bible said that Herod consulted the word of God and found out that, that Christ was to be born in Bethlehem. And so they found, and it said, uh, then Herod called the wise men privately, had an audience with them, and he said, uh, he said, when did the star appear? When did you see this? He wanted to know the inside scoop, and the Bible says that it appeared two years prior. Two years. So it took the wise men two years to get there. They didn't go to the manger, okay? So uh, the Bible says that he sent them to Bethlehem. And he said, go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, 
come tell me just where he is. Give me his coordinates, right? Because I'm going to come and worship him too. I mean, I wonder if they saw the snake tongue coming out of Herod's mouth. Because Herod didn't want any competition in the kingdom, okay? The love triangle that we should have down here on earth is maybe us, our spouse, and the Lord, okay? Otherwise, it's going to be a big mess, okay? But I'm thankful that the, the wise men, the Bible said, when they heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star, the same one that they saw in the east, went before them. You see, the king told them to go to Bethlehem, but Jesus wasn't living in Bethlehem. After he was born, he went to a place called Nazareth. That's where Joseph was from. And the Bible said they followed this star until it came to right over where the young child, no longer a baby, but it said he was a young child. If you're hearing this from the first time, I know it's traditionally, they were on the manger scene. Do I have to take the wise men off of my nativity scene? No, the more the merrier. Let them be there, right? <laughs> But the Bible said, add some more, you know. Yeah, the Bible said, and when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. You know, when God begins to, to guide our lives, we should be joyful. And you know that when you're going to church, you should be joyful. Say, preacher, I feel tension in my life. I know because God's winding you back so he can set you forward and set you free and set you going on a path where the devil can't stop you. You know, I'm thankful that when God winds me up, he says go, and the devil might say stop, but there's a greater king that says go than the one that says stop, and you can just knock him over. Wasn't it David that said that by thee I have run through a troop? I mean, they stood, and I just kind of went and ran through him. By the Lord I have leapt over a wall. I don't know how old David was, but man, I would love those kind of power, right? I don't need to be the bionic man. But I need to be what God wants me to be. And God will give us power. So the Bible said when they were coming to verse 11 of Matthew chapter 2. The house. Not the manger. The house. You ever read that? And I'm not trying to destroy all our traditions. We have a nativity scene at our house. And isn't it like snow babies or something like that? You got all kinds of stuff for Christmas, okay? We have a good time with that. And the Bible said they came into the house, saw the young child... With Mary, his mother, dad was probably at work, right? And worshipped him. And the Bible said they opened their treasures and presented unto him gifts. And this is what I'd like to speak to you for now, just a little, bit, little while. Gold and frankincense and myrrh. Three gifts. And uh, we don't want to speak so much of the actual gift as what they represented and why they gave that gift. And give us an idea of what we need to present, not only to him, but what we can really give to others in relationships. You see, these wise men weren't the only wise men that sought Jesus. I believe wise men still seek him. I believe wise women still seek him. I believe wise teenagers still seek him. I talked to a young uh, lady. Well, she's younger than me. I think she's a mom. But I said, when did you get saved? And she said, I got saved at a young age. I don't know if she was eight or nine or something like that. And she didn't really want to talk about it, but that's okay. You know that you can give your life to Jesus at a younger age, but I mean really give your life to Jesus so that there are wise people that still seek him. But the Bible says they gave him gold. Why did they give him gold? Well, the gifts have significance, what they are and why they were given to Jesus. Notice, they didn't say they gave it to his mom. They didn't say they gave it to Joseph. I don't even know where Joseph was, right? 
Hopefully he was out there making rent, right? <laughs> the Bible said that Jesus Christ is the Lord. You know that one day Jesus Christ is going to rule the whole world? You know that a lot of people, they'll, they'll, they'll curse God's name. I, I remember that there was a, a preacher that was in the inner city. And uh, he talked to a little fella, a little kid in the inner city, and, you know, about why he was there. And he said, well, we're telling people about Jesus. You know what the little boy said? Ooh, you cursed. You see, a lot of times the only way that someone hears the name of Jesus is as a curse word. But you know that one day Jesus Christ is going to rule the whole, all of the nations with the rod of iron. But this one came as a harmless baby. And the Bible said they presented unto him their treasures and they worshipped him. The Bible didn't say they worshipped Mary. Never in the Bible are we commanded to worship Mary. When John was in heaven, he had like a tour guide and he was being shown around heaven. So in heaven, in Revelation chapter 19 and verse 10, he fell at his feet, John the Apostle, to worship this heavenly tour guide because it was just so awesome. All the revelations and, and you know what the man said? See thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. The heavenly tour God had some uh, advice for John the Apostle and he just got so worked up and he said, worship God. And you know that when Jesus grew up, the Bible said when they came to worship him, Jesus did not refuse Worship, And you say, well, preacher, what was he doing? He was receiving it because he knew that he was the Lord, not just the carpenter's son, not just an angel or a good man, but God in human flesh, Christ the Lord. So when they came, they worshipped him, and the gold represents the best, doesn't it? He offered it as a king. He was a king, not only a king, but the king of kings. You know, Elvis might be the king, but there's only one true king. You know, Elvis was talented, but you know what? We're all going to stand before that king one day. And uh, I remember I was talking to a gentleman at, uh, about coming to church, and he did not like it. Uh, he was uh, a very uh, opinionated uh, Muslim, and he did not like me inviting him to church. And he got animated. and said, preacher, what did you do? Did you hang your head and walk away? No. I pulled out a weapon. Really? Yes. My preacher finger. <laughs> you know, the preacher finger is a weapon. I pulled it out and I pointed it at him. And I said, one day every knee is going to bow. And every tongue is going to confess. It may not have been the greatest, wisest thing to say. But if you want to tell someone the truth, the Bible said, ye shall know the truth. And when you tell someone the truth, I wasn't going for a popularity contest. The man didn't like me, but I loved him. And I wanted him to know that if you give your life to Jesus, man, life will change because he is the one true king. Amen. Amen. You know, people, they lift up their hands. And I was one of them at the Aerosmith concert in Ireland, you know, years ago. I was lifting up my hands. I didn't have a lighter. But, you know, people had the lighters and they go back and forth. And they go to the football games where the teams win. And, sorry. <laughs> and when the teams win, or the other team, the visiting team in Jacksonville, the fans are like, that's bad, isn't it? Come on, Jacksonville, you got to be better than 2 and 10. Amen. 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 
But you know what? They, they lift up their hands. But you know what? I'm not against lifting up my hands and being and cheering on someone on a sports field. But brethren, our hands are made to worship God. These hands are made to worship not a man or a woman, but God himself. And when they showed that gold is typical of the best. Have you ever heard of the gold standard? Now, back in the day, before my time, okay, your dollar was worth a certain amount of gold. That's what the gold standard meant. You could trade your $100 bill in for some gold, and it wouldn't change. Gold wouldn't go up and down like it does today. Your, your $100 bill was worth gold that you could go change it in for no longer, right? <laughs> what is your paper worth? Whatever anyone says it is. It's based on the economy. But you know that our life should be tied to the gold standard. The things that we do for God, we should use everything that we have and say, God, I'm going to lift my heart up and give you gold. Have you ever just given everything that you have? I know my daughter sometimes does things and she'll misspell stuff, but she's giving everything that she has. She's doing it as well as she can. And there's words that are misspelled and God knows that. But God is looking for our heart, for us to say, God, I'm giving you everything. They were two years late, but they brought gold unto Jesus. And notice they didn't send a letter. They didn't send an email. But they said, I'm going to go and present myself before God in person. You know that coming to church is a big deal. And I know it's hard. But you know, when we come to the house of God, it's not to really even see the preacher. But it's come to say, God, I'm coming to give you gold. God, I'm giving you the gift of the best that I have. And you know, say, preacher, what do I wear to church? And you know what? There's no garments that you wear to church. But I used to say, well, it doesn't matter. But you know what it does? When you go to a wedding, what do you wear? Oh, it doesn't matter. It's your heart. Good luck. You won't be invited anymore. <laughs> go to a funeral. It's just your heart. No. Go like you're going to the house of God. You wear your best. I used to wear a t-shirt and jeans. Why? That was my best. I didn't have any. I mean, I was a young man and I wore a t-shirt and jeans. And you know what? It was my best in my heart before God. But God began to deal with my heart over the years. And I wear a suit and tie as a preacher, okay? It doesn't make me anything. But I want to give God gold. You see, they presented to God gold. He said, but it's just for a little while. I know, but it's not to show men. It's to worship God. And the Bible says they gave him the best. You know, it's interesting when God likes to give us the same things that we give as we give him. And Job, when he was going through something, he realized that the character of God is not to destroy us, but to refine us. You know, the next time you go through something, realize that God is the same way. He likes to give, and he's got a bigger scoop than you do. Job said, but he knoweth the way that I take. He knows my heart. You know that everyone else might misunderstand you, your husband or your wife, they might misunderstand you, but God knows the way that you take. Even these wise men, their families might not have understood. The king might not have understood. Sometimes doesn't it feel like nobody understands? It's like, man, nobody understands what I'm going through. You ever feel like that? It's because it's true, right? But God knows the way that I take. Job's, Job's children died. Why? I don't know. His wife was left alive. 
Why? She said, curse God and die. Oh, man, great. Why didn't, he's like, why didn't you take her too, God? No, but she was left there, so nobody understood. But they reconciled later and had kids. You know, the God, God is into the makeup business. And I'm not talking about Maybelline, okay? God is into the reconciliation business. And my wife and I have never had an argument in the past 45 minutes. Jen, is that true? That's true. Say, preacher, why did you say that? You know why? Because we have disagreements. But you know what? I'm thankful. The Bible said that he said he knows the way that I take. And when he hath tried me, I'm going to go through something, but I shall come forth as gold. God's going to refine me. He's going to make me better. Brethren, when you go through something, know that God's not going to leave you comfortless. He's going to make you better. He's going to take you higher than you were before. Gold is a gift that God gives to. He gave the gift of his only begotten son. He didn't send an angel. Brethren, the pavement in heaven is made out of gold. God didn't scoop it and dump it down here. But God gave us something better. The Bible said we're not redeemed with corruptible silver and gold. But with the precious blood of Christ, God's gold standard is the blood of Jesus Christ. The one that took us and took our sins on the cross. God gave his best. Gold. Gold. You know that when you give your best and whether you're cooking dinner for your husband or you're you're washing dishes for your wife or you're cooking dishes for your wife or you're washing dishes for your husband. You know, there's no gender that says that. Women are the cooks. Go to a lot of fancy restaurants. Who's the cook? A dude, right? Well, it's fashion women. Fashion's not women or men. It's both, right? God, whatever we do. I said, well, women, don't, women aren't CEOs. Oh, yes, they are. Yes. Women aren't billionaire CEOs. Check it out. Check out Sarah Blakely, and she's not much older. I think she might be a few years older than me. She's a billionaire, self-made. Women and men are created to do amazing things. If we give our gold, gift-giving ideas. The second thing, when they fell down and worshipped him, they opened gold. Even at, uh, most people, you know, I guess it's tradition to have a wedding ring. I know it's just tradition, but a lot of wedding rings, what are they made out of? Gold. Why? It symbolizes the dedication of the best that you give to that commitment. No, it's not a piece of paper. Marriage is not a piece of paper. Marriage is a commitment that you make. And it's actually legal. It's a legal status that will get you legal rights to visit someone in the hospital, especially during this thing called COVID, okay? Boyfriends and girlfriends, it's not the same commitment. So uh, my wife, I was trying to get her to get white gold. I was like, honey, you want white gold or yellow gold? Because I like white gold because it matches me, white, right? I'm not yellow, I'm white. Well, I'm actually kind of yellow, but. And she goes, no, I like gold, you know, yellow gold. And I was like, really, are you sure? I think I tried to ask a few ways to make her change her mind. She didn't change her mind. So we got yellow gold. Amen. So I got mine from the pawn shop. I got hers from the jewelry store and mine from the pawn shop, okay? (laughs) It might not have worked out for one guy, but it worked out for us. You know that I'm thankful that God still makes things work when we give him gold. The second thing, they opened unto him frankincense and all the food's in the back if you want to take it to the back. Frankincense. Frankincense was an aromatic resin. Now, in the Old Testament, you'll look that they used it in worship. 
they used frankincense in worship. So Exodus chapter 30, if you have your Bibles, that Moses was told to make this like perfume or cologne, if you please, for the holy sanctuary, for the tabernacle. And he was supposed to burn it. And the Bible says, it said that the Lord said, take unto these sweet spices staked and on, boy, this is not like, uh, okay. Take unto you cool water and David, no, he said, and on, on each and galbanum, these sweet spices with pure frankincense. And he said, make a perfume. And then he said, and thou shalt beat some of it very small and put it before the testimony of the tabernacle of the congregation where I will meet with thee. And it shall be unto you most holy. It was not a perfume that was on the market. In fact, the Bible said, as for the perfume which thou shalt make, ye shall not make to yourselves according to the composition thereof, but it shall be unto thee holy for the Lord. Whosoever shall make like unto that to smell thereto, even shall be cut off from his people. When these uh, magi came to Jesus, they opened unto him gold. Jesus was a king. Then they opened unto him frankincense. Why? Well, it was precious. But Jesus was also our great high priest. Jesus, the the perfume was a scent of sense of war. It was a scent, but it was a sense of worshiping God. It was what Jesus would do with his life. Jesus Christ would reach God for us. You know, there is no New Testament priesthood. I'm not a priest. A priest is a go-between, but we have a great high priest. Jesus Christ is our go-between that God forgives us because of what Jesus did because we can forgive someone else for Christ's sake because of what you know sometimes people don't deserve forgiveness but for the sake of Jesus Christ for God's sake we can forgive for God's sake we can say you know what it's all good it's free and you know when you forgive someone you set yourself free say well they did me wrong and they did my family wrong I know but don't let them live in your head rent free Let them get yourself, just forgive them. I'm not saying that they're right. They'll still have to pay the man. They'll still have to answer to God. But I remember some two sisters were disagreeing. And they're both Christian. And one of them came to me. One of them attended our church. And she said, what do I do? And I said, well, your sister's a Christian. I said, ask her for forgiveness. And then I said, you're good. Once you ask for forgiveness, that sets you free. And I don't know how it worked out, but you know that I'm thankful that we can just say, well, God, on my side, I'm forgiven. I'm not saying that it was the right thing to do, but I'm going to unload that burden. And you know, when we give the gift of frankincense to God, it's a gift of worship. It's when we say, God, I'm worshiping you. I'm putting you on the pedestal. I'm putting you first. You know, I've talked to my daughter about uh, getting a, a man, right, when she grows up. And I said, you know, get one that's kind and courageous, but not one that tells you that he's kind and courageous, one that shows you. And you know, he told her someone that doesn't put you first, but someone that puts God first. Watch their feet on Sunday, not because you're going, but because they've got their own worship and they're just going to go and offer God that gift of frankincense saying, Jesus, I'm here and I'm here to worship you. You know, that uh, there was a lady that came, remember? She opened this, uh, this bottle of ointment. 
She broke the seal on it and poured it over Jesus, right? Do you know that the Bible said that that smell filled the entire house? You know that when you get that spirit of worship, it gets into your house. You know, it's that spirit of forgiveness and that spirit of joy. And everywhere you go, I like the smell of bleach. I like going to Sister Patterson's house. And it's like, (laughs) clean, right? Not industrial bleach, but clean bleach. And I like walking in and I'm just happy. Is that smell that bleach everywhere you go? Clean. My wife doesn't like that smell, so... You know, when you have that spirit of worship, it gets everywhere. It gets, into your, it gets into your children's hearts. It gets into your heart. It gets into your smile. Why? There's a spirit of forgiveness in my house. There's a spirit of goodness in my house. There's a spirit of complimenting someone in my house. Amen. I said, preacher, but I want a Proverbs 31 woman. Well, if you want one, the Bible says her children arise and call her blessed. You ever read that? Her husband, he praiseth her. Didn't say she praised him. It's it. You know what? You just give someone praise and they'll go act like it. You tell someone, man, you can do anything. They'll go do it. You tell someone you can make it. They'll make it. You tell someone you can do it. They'll do it. What is that? It's like that spirit of frankincense. Put it into your children. You can do anything. God's going to help you. God's going to work it out. And they'll be like, you know what? I might just do that. And I'm thankful that God shows us a gift-giving idea of frankincense. The last thing, the gift-giving idea of myrrh. Myrrh or less, right? No, myrrh. M-Y-R-R-H. Myrrh. It was a perfumed oil and it was used... To anoint a dead body. Now we have funeral homes in the States. Back in the day, you know what they used to do? Someone died. You know what happened? They would keep him in the house overnight. You know who would anoint the body? Family members. Now this is probably a hundred years ago in America. But there, the funeral homes wouldn't really do it. Maybe in big cities. But out in the country and stuff, that the, they would just take care of the body. Why? Because the people that loved you would give you a send-off. And the Bible said in John chapter 19, there also came Nicodemus, which at the first came to Jesus by night and brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pound weight. So that's a hundred pounds of spices, brethren, and perfumes, expensive, okay? Then they took the body of Jesus and wound it in linen clothes with the spices in the man, as the manner of the Jews is to bury Jesus Christ was given myrrh. It's a gift-giving idea. What is, and why did they offer that? Because Jesus came not to get married. Jesus didn't come to make money. He came to give his life a sacrifice for you and me. He came to die and be made sin on that cross for us, even though there was no sin in him, that we could be made the righteousness of God. He came to take our place in hell. He came to take our place in suffering. And myrrh represents a sacrifice. You know that many people here, you're a parent, and you know what sacrifice is. <laughs> and you know that no one tells you, good job. Dad, Mom, thanks for raising me for 18 years. Thanks for ra- wearing old socks with holes in them. Because I could have new socks or shoes every few months, right? And, uh, but when we sacrifice, you know the joy is in the sacrifice. It's not in telling someone about it. It's not someone saying, good job. 
Why would you sacrifice? Because you love. You sacrifice for your kid. No one tells you. You need to feed your child. You feed them. And then you feed them some more. And then they ask for candy at 10 o'clock. And you feed them some more. If you're the dad. And then they ask to sleep with you when they're 8 years old. In your bed. And mom says no. And dad says come on. Why? Just because we love them. And you know God loves you. And that's why no one forced Jesus to go on the cross. The devil wanted him to stop. Herod tried to kill him as an infant, but he he failed. The devil tried to tempt him in the wilderness, but he failed. Peter grabbed him and said, not so, Lord, you're not going. And he rebuked him. He said, get behind me, Satan, because Jesus came to be a sacrifice for you and for me and to give the gift of his life. You know what? I'm a rich man. Why? Because Jesus gave his life for me. Jesus thought I was something, and he thinks you're something too. I'd like to leave you with this on gift-giving ideas. So the best, give the gift of worship, and give the gift of sacrifice. And let those things be in our heart as we decide to give. And ultimately, it's his birthday, so let's make, make him on our gift list. Give him our best. Give him worship. And give him the gift of sacrifice. And it'll be a blessing to you. There was a man, I heard an account of a a man who was trying out for an elite Marine Corps unit called Force Recon. So it's like the Marines don't have Navy SEALs, but we have Force Recon. And it's the elite side of the Marine Corps. I was not Force Recon. And they have an assessment to see who's going to make it into Force Recon. And it's a lot of physical tests. And they wear folks out to see where their heart is. And so this account and this preacher had shared this account and uh, it touched my heart when I heard it. They would get them to run up this hill near the end of their assessment, like a probably not a mountain, but a large hill. And they were just smoked. They were torn up, right? These, these candidates for force recon. And so they had run up giving everything that they had, right? And when they came back down, the instructors there looking at them, he said, turn around and get back up that hill. And there were two men standing there and what they, none, they didn't have anything left. They were done. You know when you're physically done? They were done. And so one of them said, I quit. And the other one, he didn't have any energy. You know when you're just done? But he just kind of turned around and, and looked up that hill and just began to take a few steps. And after a few steps, that instructor went, came and got him and said, you made it. But with heads bowed and eyes closed, why? He gave the gift of gold. He gave everything that he had. And you know that God gave everything that he had. When he died, he shed his blood. But he shed his blood on a sinless life. Not one sin. And he gave it as an opportunity for us to take as a substitute for our life. And all we have to do, we don't have to confess our sins. We have to confess Christ. The Bible said, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth. Confession is made unto salvation, bringing 
Him gifts. Those are some gift ideas. 